Welcome to the party, pals. I'm Phil Gawthorne, action movie screenwriter. And I'm Liam Billingham, movie podcaster. And together we host Die Hard on a Blank, a podcast from Sugar23 that explores the influence of Die Hard on action cinema. In each episode, we'll talk about one major action movie that was released after Die Hard. Now, some of these movies take place on a bus. On a boat. Or even a roadhouse. Uh, sure. The point is, these are action movies that couldn't exist without Die Hard, and its DNA is everywhere. Die Hard on a Blank is a celebration of action movies and a deep dive into the ways that Die Hard shaped the action genre. So if you're a casual fan or an action movie Die Hard. Ooh, very nice. Then Die Hard on a Blank is for you. Yes, you personally. Our first two episodes, which are all about the original 1988 masterpiece Die Hard, drop December 21st, because Die Hard is a Christmas movie, wherever you get your podcasts. Phil, do the line. Now we have a podcast. (laughs) Ho, ho, ho. Hello, everybody. It's Liam. Before we jump into this week's episode, I wanted to remind you to please rate, review, and subscribe to Uverbusters if you haven't done so already. We have about... We have a lot of five-star reviews on the old social media, on the old iTunes, but we can always use more. And actually, we have a new um, five-star written review from early March. Great show. Less politics, please. Oh. Love the show, but what's with that George guy always talking politics? His co-host is so patient with him and handsome. So handsome. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much. That's um really great. Looks like it's from Liam B. 1982. Guy's got good taste. Uh, yeah, so things like that warm our hearts, even when they take George down. It's kind of a combination of putting Liam up a peg and George down a peg, and we can all get behind that. Um, there's a chance you're at home a lot the next few weeks. Uh, if so, catch up on our back catalog on John Cassavetes, Philip Seymour Hoffman, and you can always say hi to us on Twitter at Oeuvrebusters, or email us, email us, yes, email us, with your film questions or... Uh, things you'd like to know about, and we're more than willing to do some extra episodes. We, we're going to do some bonus stuff based on questions we've gotten in the old email or um, via social media. Uh, as you can see, I'm running out of words, so I'm going to stop talking now. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. Bye. Uh, I'm Liam Billingham. I'm Liam Billingham. <laughs> I'm not cutting this one. We're rolling through. I'm George Triopolis. And this is... Oeuvre. Busters. What's up? I don't know. What that, that was, was that, that was a Christian Bell that We did it, yeah. Uh, starting starts starts and goes. To we get did this it. One we, right. we're we here. did it. We did it. We're recording. Um, it's ten o'clock at night here on the west coast. West coast, best coast. Uh, I say the least coast. Even though those are really rhyme. Doesn't rhyme at all. That would anyway, be the east coast. It's kind of an off rhyme. Um, what are we doing? <laughs> What are we doing here, George? <laughs> well, we should say we've we're a couple of drinks in. Uh, you are. I'm sober. Yeah, yeah, sure. Batman. Sober as a priest. <laughs> but we are here to discuss. Sober after priest, after Sunday bath. We are here to discuss. Batman, Mask of the Phantasm. From the magical year of 1994. 1994. Yeah. So we're jumping back from. Oh, in we time and time and time. We covered. We covered. We we covered all of our all of our uh, all of Burton our late 80s, early 90s. Into 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 the late nineties. Yeah, and we've done we did that one episode on Batman the Animated. 
uh, series where we covered that Christmas episode. We did. Uh, the Christmas with the Joker. So this is not our first time in the Batman animated universe. But, but we're back in it for maybe the one of the great... Well, this, let's be clear. This is a great achievement. But is, yes. it, is it the greatest achievement of the Batman the animated series? Uh, we're going to talk about Batman Mask of the Phantasm. Well, let me just briefly say this is one of the best Batman movies without it's, question it's, that I've seen. I haven't seen the Lego good. ones. So I can't really speak for those. But this film is fucking incredible. It's really good. Would you want to give a quick summary of what it's about? So Batman Mask of the Phantasm uh, begins with Batman trying to take down a crime syndicate. And in the process of doing as such, he encounters a masked Masked. phantasm, the titular masked phantasm, who is going around killing crime bosses. Yeah, and we don't know exactly why. But as the story and the movie unfolds, we come to learn that the masked phantasm is in fact one... Andrea Beaumont, a woman who Bruce Wayne loved in the past, and of course it didn't work out because he needed to be Batman. And she's now seeking revenge for the murder of her, her father, father from all these crime because bosses. Because of a shady deal. Gone wrong. Gone wrong. Should have said spoilers, I guess. But. Um, well, it's, it's like 20 <laughs> years old, so sorry. This film came out between the first and second seasons of Batman, the animated series. Um, it was made for about $5 million and made a little less than that in at least to box office but i feel like it probably didn't get that wide of a release because i don't think uh kind of adult themed this is kind of an adult animated yeah. movie and from what i've heard also the production was kind of rushed and the release was rushed as well um it was directed by eric radomsky and bruce tim who both had played a big part in building the dc animated universe which i think i'm not huge up on that but it seems to be pretty well respected and celebrated and certainly Batman the Animated Series is one of the greatest cartoons of all time. Um, I remember it it very fondly. It was produced by Benjamin Melanicker and Michael Uslan. The screenplay was counted. Alan Burnett, Paul Dini. Paul Dini's a big writer. Michael Pasco and Martin Pasco and Michael Reeves. And it stars Kevin Conroy as Bruce Wayne slash Batman, who's great. Dana Delaney as Andrea Beaumont. Hart Bachner as Arthur Reeves. Hart Bachner is probably most famous for playing Harry in Die Hard, the guy who gets himself killed because he tries to like talk Hans Gruber into like. Oh, that's amazing! Yeah, yeah. and Abe Vigoda as Salvatore Valestra, and, and of course in maybe one of the greatest uh, <laughs> just villain performances of all time, the one, the only Mark Hamill as the Joker, as the Joker, and one of the mob bosses goes to the Joker looking for protection. Which is when the Joker comes in, and, and also and the, joke, like the Joker in, is very a late young in. was a young goon. Yeah, and this so is, that's how he relates to the story. So, we'll, go ahead. Oh, sorry, just the other thing that makes this. No, film, it's fine. I was just talking. Yeah, it's okay. I mean, you know, I, I believe if I if I speak over you, this is your signal to please shut the fuck up. George, George said <laughs> like a glass and a half of wine. I know. I'm like I'm such a lightweight. Uh, I think it's still the jet lag, but I think one of the great things also about this film is that it's a kind of sneaky Batman Year One. Yeah, it kind of is. So one thing we should say about the movie is it it has a not it actually has a structure that mirrors Batman Begins in that there's a uh, there's a linear forward plot going in the present tense where Batman is trying to figure out who's killing these mob bosses while simultaneously we're flashing back to Bruce Wayne's relationship with Andrea Beaumont. And um, we see sort of their relationship peak and then fall apart when she's forced to leave the country with her father because uh, her father voiced by Stacy Keach um, as the mob is closing in and attempting to kill them. Um, 
And it is a bit of a sneaky Batman year one. Yeah. Though there is a Batman year one animated movie that I have not, not seen. seen it. So but, you, um, you get a lot of young Batman here. Yeah, we do. Um, let's talk a little bit about Bruce Wayne in this movie. So, well, I guess real quick, uh, this is a fucking great Batman movie. Yeah, it is. Um, at the end of the thing, maybe we'll do a ranking of our favorites. We but should, I would yeah, imagine yeah. this would rank in my top five easily. Um, if we're just talking about Burton, Schumacher, and Nolan's, uh, yeah, well, yeah, of course, I would say so. Yeah, I think it's a top five, maybe top, maybe even uh, maybe top three. Yeah, I don't know if I'd put it above any of the Burton ones, but I would definitely put it above both the Schumacher and the last Nolan. But anyway, yeah, we could rank them. We can get there. We'll get, yeah, there. we'll get there. Um, it's a. I think what I well, I'm curious to hear what you like about it, but I like that this film uh, highlights. Batman as a detective. There's not enough of that in the Batman. You said this before, yeah. Um, I mean, apparently that's what the new the Batman. What does that film? mean to you exactly? Well, just kind of nitty gritty th- crime solving. Yes, I think that one of the things that I loved about the animated series and that I love about the comic book is that when he, like, for example, will take something and bring it back to the Batcave and analyze it and like get fingerprints off of it or like play a detective because i think batman can function as a and i think that this is a, a good example this is maybe the strongest example we've seen of batman as film noir so far and just the idea that he's solving crimes he's not just punishing criminals he's solving crimes there's a whole side of batman that's neglected which is the like thoughtful analytical right crime solving that he does goon, which yeah. is like kind of to, in my mind some of his specific function within the justice league whereas like you know Batman has problematic politics. We've talked about that, but he's also a crime solver, not just a crime fighter. And I think that um, that's under exploited. There's a good, there's a little bit of that in the Nolan movies. I mean, I like one of the things I like about the comic books and the films is like scenes where he like cases a scene and like finds clues. And there's like an internal monologue. Like it's a detective. It's detective. I mean, he's you first said, yeah, appearance like film, was like in fucking noir. detective comics. Like he's a, He's a detective first. I like that about this film. Um, I think this has among the most kind of rich um, takes on Bruce Wayne of yes. any of the films we've seen yeah, so far. And I really want to talk about that. And um, I think also, again, we've said it a bunch of times, but Mark Hamill as the Joker might be the best portrayal of the Joker. I mean, that's insane, but... No, he's... Oh, it's he's as good as Heath Ledger. I really think it's an exceptional part of this movie. You like it as well, I think. The movie? Yes. Oh, yeah. I said I liked it. Yeah. We'll no, talk this, more this, about this that. This one's great. And I think why I do like it is because... Well, for some of the elements I already said that it's kind of like a sneaky Batman year one. And I love the idea of not even just like the origin story, but of showing the evolution of the character. Right. Just in the very beginning, it was just like a dude who would wear a mask... No, like obviously costume, no right. uniform, kind of ill. Which is an early flashback. In the yeah, film. and you get a little bit of that too about how it's like totally raw. He doesn't really know what he's doing. He kind of fucks ass up. Kicked. He gets yeah. his ass kicked. He barely makes it out alive the first time. He like he goes out and tries to stop crime, and it's great because it's kind of not only just like realistic, but um, well, I mean, yeah, it's realistic and it's believable, and it also shows a vulnerability to the character that later on with like the hardened detective and the hardened like superhero right. you don't quite get. So in the opening sequence. He crashes this meeting of these mobsters. Right. And again, there you get like badass Batman who's like beating shit out of people. Yeah, 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 taking yeah, names. Yeah. Um, but later on, obviously, when you see him learning, it shows again this kind of vulnerability that you often don't get in the character in other kind of iterations. That's true. And he's not great at it. And there's a little bit of that in Batman Begins, like when he first goes out. Mm-hmm. 
Um, one of the things that I think is really exceptional about this movie is its take on trauma, specifically yeah. the dead parents' trauma, because there's an early scene where he goes to the grave of his parents when he's a young man. He's in college. Yeah. It's a flashback. And that's where he meets Bruce, where Bruce Main, Brain, Bruce Wayne, Bruce Brain. He's wicked smart. <laughs> he's, he's wicked Bruce smart. Wayne. So they used to call what him you, in high Bruce school. Bruce Brain? Yeah, what are you, the reading oh, books, sorry, you nerd? Sorry, your parents? Hey, are... check out Bruce Brain over here reading books. What are you going to become like, a detective? My two-year-old is asleep in the be, next room. Become a fucking hey, detective? Hey, Bruce Wayne. Bra- hey, Bruce Brain. Sorry about your dead parents. Hey. Um, so he, smart enough to so bring him back, huh? He's at... Or that dead across the line. I'm sorry. My parents are dead. He um, is at their grave, and that's where he meets Andrea Beaumont, who's visiting her mother's grave. And she's talking to herself. She's talking to her. Well, she's talking to her mother. Sure. I mean, she is. <laughs> but Bruce Wayne, it's kind of actually funny. He's Soon's like, who are you talking to? Yeah, exactly. Um, and um, it's just, it's a nice take because it's it, it they it's a way to sort of reveal something about her character because she's talking to her mother without like it feeling completely ridiculous and cheesy. And, and I have to give this movie credit. It transcends the stereotypical opinion about what an animated film can be because it's pretty adult and within it deals the with some very context, ad- within yeah. the American context and it deals with some adult things. Um, and one of the things that it does really well is later on in the film after they break up and they're apart for a decade, she return. He, uh, he as Batman, he's at the cemetery investigating the murder of a crime boss, which is very smart because it brings him back to the cemetery. And he as Batman goes in front of, goes to visit his parents' grave. And Andrea Beaumont is there visiting her mother's grave. And she sees Batman in front of the Wayne, in front of the Wayne grave and realizes that Bruce Wayne is Batman. Yeah. And it's like a very, very smart way. It's not like they kind of do in all the Burton and Schumachers where every, like in every single one yeah. at some point, Bruce Wayne's like, I'm actually Batman. Yeah. In this one, it's, it's like a, it's like him fucking up that reveals it. And I just think that it's, it's a very, it's a very good storytelling. I think the script to this movie is, it's excellent. Yeah. It's very, very strong. And it, it finds a good way to include like the Joker. Like the Joker is not shoehorned in. He's like actually included in a way that's meaningful to the story. But I think that this movie deals with the trauma of losing your parents in the most effective yeah. way since probably the 1989 Batman of well, what we've seen so far. The guilt over it too. There's a great flashback scene where he's again, so he's in love with this woman. He kind of proposes to her, but he also has to kind of contemplate whether or not he is he becomes batman or he does this other thing and basically kind of becomes a um well her husband and there's that great scene where he's at the grave of his parents and he's like i know i made a promise but like things change yes like i want to do this other thing now like talk about like trauma and guilt right and that scene to me is like the most like one of the most powerful scenes in the film that and also the action scene where he's running away from the cops is so fucking good also he then after he says that he wants to make a change he goes and he proposes to her and as they hug, this is so great, they shift the earth in some way and a bunch of bats take off. Yeah, and yeah. that's the discovery of the Batcave, which is just like a... Is that the discovery of the Batcave? Yeah, because later is. he's spelunking in the cave and he's like, oh, he's yeah, Alfred, yeah, yeah. like this has been here a long time. Um, one of the things that I think is really, to come back to the, the central element of this film, and I, I think really the strongest element of this movie is Bruce Wayne. Yeah, without question. I really appreciate... Um, there's a scene early on the film where he, after we've seen him sort of with the X, is, is that we see him at some kind of social event 
and he has women hanging all over him and like right, yeah. there's something and the one woman comes up and throws a drink in his yeah face. and it's like it feels because it's cartoons i don't know if this is the right attitude it's animated that it's like it feels less like sexist because he has these like cartoon women hanging off him that are like bruce i love you <laughs> and there's something about it being animated where you're not watching an actual like real actress play the part that makes it feel it's kind of a, a cliche take on the character but I appreciate that in the context of the cartoon, they create this like playboy character who's actually like deeply troubled. Well, that's the point though. The point is like, it's clearly just all a facade and it's meaningless and it's like, um, yeah, it's a way to cover up the trauma. Right. It's another mask. Oh, if you will, I will. (laughs) I will. will Tell me more about that. What do you mean? It's another mask. Let's talk about Bruce Wayne and his trauma. Well, no, just the idea again, that he's performing this kind of like traditional cliched playboy, um, lifestyle. And he's mm. performing it obviously for like people to see and to think like, oh, this person would never do something like be Batman. Be so let's talk about let's talk about superhero. let's talk about the Batmans we've seen so far. So so far we've seen uh, Keaton. Keaton, Kilmer, Kilmer, and Clooney, Clooney, and now Kevin Conroy. Yeah. So let's rank. Let's rank the Playboy. Well, just very quickly. I mean, I guess the one that's the most Playboyish is the Bale one. Well, I just asked you to rank them. All right, let's the ones them. we've seen because in we what way? Watched. In just in terms. Well, of... which ones do you view as the most Playboy esque of the four? Like, who's the oh, one who's working? Man. Who's per- who's the most performative? Well, the Bruce jawline on this Batman is incredible. The what? The jawline on this Batman is the incredible. cartoon Batman. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's yeah, yeah, almost yeah. might match yeah. Robert Pattinson's future <laughs> it almost jawline. Might, yeah. He has a great jawline. Yeah, he's kind of like ripped and he's huge. He's like, like a box. A, he's like a box, right? Yeah. He's boxy. Um, he's been taking some Stallone's so HGH. Who's, who's been the most performative Batman so far? You're asking so many questions. Performative now? Like perform playing performing the role of the playboy. Uh, okay. Jeez. Um, I'd like it be maybe the cartoon one. It might be the cartoon. Yeah. I would say it's somewhere between the cartoon. And maybe Clooney. And Clooney. Because and s- the Clooney one, sorry, the Clooney one is very... Like I'm a bachelor, whereas Keaton and Kilmer were in love with those women. What do we look for in a Bruce Wayne? I'm serious. Like in the character, what's been the most successful? The ones that like if we had to Frankenstein a Bruce Wayne yeah. together from what we've seen, what what would be the elements we would take? So whose look would we Conroy's take? Conroy's jawline. Conroy. So the Conroy look. Who's a better looking? Who's the best looking Bruce Wayne so far in terms fuck. of like what we want from the character? I mean, I think I would. I would definitely fuck Clooney over the cartoon. Who? Not who we're gonna fuck. Who? Clooney is cute. Yeah. Who? Right, I think like, of the Clooney four, like is like late thirties in think, that film. I think mm, no younger than that. I think Kilmer has the best look. I think he fits the mold for the tradi- of of the ones we've seen. Yeah, the traditional Bruce Wayne. Sure. Yes, I agree. No, yeah, you would say you would say Kilmer, Clooney, Keaton. That's the great thing about Keaton is that the, he's this absolute weirdo. What about Conroy? Uh, okay, I guess yeah. it's his voice. I would say I would say yes. Then Kilmer, Clooney, Conroy. So Kilmer's looks. Whose personality? Person of the actors, yeah, uh, Keaton. It's interesting though because Keaton is the less least performative. Okay, so leave- except there is the scene in Batman where she's like, you know what I think? All these, all these, all this stuff. It's not you, and he's like, some of it is very much me. Some uh, the, of it is, the first some one? of it is not. Vigil, yeah, yeah. So he's not performative. He's not like a performative playboy. It's a Maybe very different take on the character. I should have asked you this before. Yeah. When we were at Clooney and we had three, but fuck Mary Kill. And obviously there's four of them, but just let's do hold, it. Let's three. hold Conroy off. Okay. Okay, fine. but you're 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 verting away from a very serious conversation that I'm trying <laughs> to have right sorry, now. No, so. 
But fine, fuck Mary Kill. Fuck Clooney, Mary Keaton, kill Kilmer. It's obvious. Oh, but I thought you said the Kilmer. I guess, okay. Yeah. Kilmer is not the most attractive to me. He's the most, what I think Bruce, Bruce Wayne Rand should Rand. look like. Okay, so we're still Franken. Uh, or maybe I should, then I should go. Yeah. Um, I think I would just maybe swap Kilmer and Clooney. So you'd kill Clooney? No, I thought you said, oh, um, oh yeah, that's a good you, point. What's wrong with you? You don't kill Fuck. Clooney. Yeah, I guess you're right. No, you're right. I would go with your order. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. So let's Frankenstein our Bruce Wayne. Kilmer look. Mm-hmm. Keaton personality. Yeah. Wait, you would marry Keaton? No, dude. I, I'm Tom <laughs> Frank. I would, I would, I would. You said you'd marry yeah, Keaton. Yeah, I'd marry Keaton. I like Keaton. I know. <laughs> Let's go back to that. No, wait, he's a weirdo. I like the no, weirdo. No, no, no. I like the weirdo. He's no, because Clooney, Clooney, the Clooney's Batman definitely has the trauma more like on like under control. Like Clooney's Batman goes to therapy like once a week. He like he's got he the trauma to control. Doesn't trust anyone. No, no, he's got it on. He's no, got he under doesn't. Control. He doesn't yeah, no, trust he does, anyone. He does. So uh, I, mean, I take it back. I would marry Clooney. Maybe get divorced in three or four years, but still, I'm marrying Clooney. I'm fucking killing her. I'm killing Keaton. Even though I love Keaton, but I feel like the trauma is way too on the surface. So going back to the Frank Keaton, monster. <laughs> no, no, Clooney can't trust anyone. Keaton falls in love with a woman. And then you find out in the sequel that he couldn't be with her because he wasn't really in love with her. Or that he was, but he couldn't be with her. Yeah, because he's Batman. Yeah. Okay, let's Frankenstein this. Okay. Let's Frankenstein. <laughs> so, but one, okay, so I guess what I, what I want to... I want Kilmer's looks, Keaton's personality, but one thing that's sorely lacked... Because Clooney is like a blank slate. He's not a good yes, Batman. Sure. He's not good. He's not, yeah. Like, there's actual potential in the way the character's written in that one, but he's not He's good. clay, but he wasn't molded by yeah, I mean, he's Michelangelo. A, he's a, well, he was. I mean, George Clooney I mean, was No, no, I mean himself and the character. Um, but what I'm saying is one thing that's missing... Actually, no, it's not. One of the great correlations between Keaton and Conroy is the anger. The mm, anger in yeah. this portrayal yes, yeah. of when he gets very angry at... So there's a scene in the film where he tries to stop... Uh, like a motorcycle gang in, in Mask of the Phantasm yeah, yeah, yeah. from stealing sort of like a, a guy's money and when he's not unable to and he's successfully in Bruce do Wayne it. And he's, mode. he's Bruce Wayne. Yeah. He gets very angry at Andrea Beaumont as Dana Delaney and I was like, this is a great scene because a guy who saw his parents get murdered would be angry and I think that's lacking for me from the Kilmer and the... Yeah, well the Kilmer's also very like placid. Placid. I think it's a stronger performance than the Clooney. I think Kilmer was a better actor than... Mm-hmm. than Clooney was then. Correct. And that have obviously have a lot to do with what Clooney was like well, being Clooney shuttled hadn't, back hadn't and forth. Really, I yeah. mean, in some ways, I think Clooney might be the best actor now. Well, Keaton, Keaton's a pretty amazing actor. But um, what I think is good about the Keaton is that he's angry. Yes. But you only see it that, well, let's get nuts that one time. It, it, yeah. Whereas it's all over Bruce Wayne in this movie. And they're, they're able to get away with it. Maybe it's because it's animated and there's like... You can be more express expressionistic. Characters can fly off the hand a little bit more in in an animated film than they can in a or in a certain way. Yeah, in I mean, a certain the, way. Yeah, the art in the, in this also is so um, Exp- impressionistic. impressionist or expressionistic. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah, German expressionism. It has like the like the angles and the um, the contrast are really like amazing. Right, and it um, allows for a little more excuse me experimentation in the and the, the gothic way. elements too are like very like played up like excellently yes and that uh, but again coming the back to how we're supposed to feel about the character is that the anger in this is very palpable and i find that kind of ex- and he's angry because he's angry you know i don't think all the films 
So one thing that I think is is worth talking about in this context is which of these films does the best job of portraying Bruce Wayne Bruce Wayne's anger at himself for choosing this, to yeah, be Batman. This one, yeah. And this one does a better job than any of the well, movies. Well, I mean, but is that a is that a general theme? Like how many Well, he has a choice to make. Sure. But I mean, the other ones don't even make it, I think, a plot point. I think the Nolan ones do, but we're not looking forward. We're only looking backward, right? Yeah. Now. Or, yeah, sure. Right. The Nolan ones do. In but which one? In, like in the first well, with, one? Well, in the Dark Knight one, for example, he has to choose between the between saving Harvey Dent and saving Rachel. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, but the fact that like he has to break up with... Or in every Batman film or most Batman films, there's a moment where where Bruce Wayne has to choose between being Batman and being Bruce Wayne. And it's always coached in the decision to like be with a woman or to not be oh, with yeah, a woman. Oh, yeah, you're right. The third one also does that with the Riddler. Remember when he sends them under Nicole yes. character? And, yeah. Yes, and he, he, like, he like sort of sends and he says, the, like, you have to choose one. Like, who are you, Batman or Bruce Wayne? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Good, and yeah, this one call. does that, but it does it in a much more dynamic and interesting way in that, like, you see him really struggling with it coaches it in the responsibility of what he owes his parents. Yeah. The guilt. Yeah. And the, and the, the survivor's guilt, which is something that's really, really interesting. And I think that like people who have survivor's guilt are angry. They have PTSD and they make irrational or have the potential to make irrational and bad decisions. And I think this movie achieves a kind of, real clarity around that that the other ones don't and as a result make Bruce Wayne a lot more interesting than Without the other films yeah. have. Can we talk uh, also uh, very briefly or can we talk? Well, we've got plenty of time. Maybe not briefly. We've only been talking for 23 minutes. Can we fucking delve into it? Let's do uh, it. About how th- also... Let's this embrace is, the dialect. This is, this is the perhaps the most interesting love interest for Tell me more Batman about that. and Bruce Wayne. Other than maybe Catwoman. Well, it's just... Catwoman. I think it's incredible that... Obviously, Michelle Pfeiffer Michelle is Catwoman. Michelle Pfeiffer is Catwoman. I mean, it's just incredible that the main protagonist... And I saw this plot twist coming like 10 minutes into the film. I saw oh, it... Oh, I saw it like right before it happened. It, and I hadn't seen this movie in maybe 15 years. It's funny because years. I saw... I remember like as soon as I saw that one scene where she comes to visit him when he's like training to try to be Batman. Yes. And she fights him and she kind of um like throws him on the floor. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay. And I figured it out. I was like, okay, she's the, she's the phantasm. But that obviously also you have like this really strong female character. Yes, you do. And one who, um, one who matches him in every Completely, way. Completely, yeah. As Catwoman, but in a, obviously a very different way. Yeah, totally. Like they're lovers first, obviously, because before they become antagonists. Yeah, no, that's definitely true. Um, and she also is like kind of a mirror to him. Because in what she, ways? Well, because she kind of takes the guilt of losing her father and the violence of losing her father and turns it into like pure retribution in the sense of murdering these people. So one thing that this movie does better than any of the other films so far is bring that year one, the long Halloween Batman dealing with the mobsters. But more than that, we've talked in the past about how ultimately these movies are about they should be about the best Batman movies to me are the ones that deal with like Gotham's soul. Yeah. Like very few Batman films concern maybe one of the weaknesses of some of the, the, I haven't seen justice league, but one of the weaknesses of Batman V Superman is that it's a, it's sort of a 
I guess it is about Metropolis and Gotham and actually the have and have nots. So I think is a really interesting thing of Metropolis and Gotham that, that that movie does in an interesting way, but the best Batman movies are very concerned with like Gotham as Gotham. And I think that this, whenever, when, when Batman works really well for me is when they includes things like the district attorney, when it includes things like the mob, when it includes like Gordon. And I think one of the weaknesses of the Schumacher films is it has no concern for any of that stuff. It's just like paparazzi and like millionaire yeah. famous people. This is one of the first Batman films that I know of that even considers the mob element. I wish Carmine Falcone is a character in this movie. He's not, but I do ultimately wish he were. I bring this up because I think this film does a better job of like grounding this in a kind of reality of like an actual place that the others do not. Yeah. I mean, the mob stuff also makes sense in, um, to the degree to which, well, if you have like the superhero, the other guy was just going around right. beating the shit out of criminals and lunatics and that he would, that the first, let's say kind of, um, the people he would run up against would be mobsters. The mob. Right. And, and I think organized crime on that level. They're not just like these fucking you know, lunatics, let's say who are super villains. But. Right. Batman begins, does it very well with Carmine Falcone and Joe chill. Who's the guy who kills, Bruce Wayne's parents. I actually think Nolan's handling of the Bruce Wayne parents murder is pretty good and nuanced in Batman Begins. But um, George is just yawning in my face. It's bad and then when George puts his pacifier mm-hmm. in. My passy. Um, but she is his equal and she is going after mob, mob enforcers. And I think that that's pretty interesting and a lot more and interesting. And people fucking get murked in this film, yeah, which is incredible. fucking murked. Yeah, I was like, I was like, is there's there blood in this movie? There's blood in this movie. It's so weird. On that to, I feel like that was, animated films in the 90s was not a thing. Well, not only that, but like, I'm like, was there blood in the Schumacher films? I don't think no, there's, there's any, any blood. Uh, maybe a little bit, but not much. Not like, yeah. They're like, this is fucking, I was like, this is intense. Um, Can we jump back to... um Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne. As... So there's a scene in Traumatized the film individual, yeah. when he wants to give up the Batman legacy to marry Andrea. And he's in front of... The Fortress of Solitude. He's in... He's like, I'm going to give up my powers. He's in the he's in the cave. Or he's... No, he's in the graveyard. <laughs> and he says, I can give the police more money to hire more cops. Yeah, yeah. And we're recording this in the, the wake of a week of the ascendance of Mike Bloomberg as the potential... Yeah. Most potential limited ascendance. Oh God, I hope so. Uh, presidential. Uh, major props to that person who said, "Hey, Mike, stop, stop and stop frisk." frisk and took a uh, f- uh, video with him, and also the guy who I think was off screen and who <laughs> yelled, "Mike, you're a racist piece of shit." Is Bruce Wayne Mike Bloomberg? Yes, of course. Tell me more about that. I mean, he's a billionaire. And okay, stop. But, that, but no, there's more to it than that. There's because, more to because it. Because of the savior complex mentality of a, of a billionaire who decides to... He should to give him. away all his money. Of course like he should. Wittgenstein. My point you is... Wittgenstein, he gave away his fortune. Who? Uh, Ludwig Wittgenstein, the great philosopher, great German analytical he philosopher. He gave away his fortune? I believe he was Austrian. Yeah, he did. He was, um, I think he was Austrian. He gave away... Um, yeah, he had, he he had, had a, a philosophy sh- fortune. He had a shit ton of money. Yeah, he made, his, he made his money from philosophy. He wrote a lot about language. He did, yeah. yeah. He, he won't... Tip it, like... He just really wrote one book and he made like an entire career out of it. But he wrote a lot of stuff. I had a very good friend in the Czech Republic when I lived there who was a Wittgenstein scholar. What's the name of the book? Wittgenstein's man. Uh, I'm not going to pronounce it. The Tractus. What's it about? It's just this kind of uh, series of logical uh, propositions. For example. The dude, I mean, I read this book like 20 years ago. I you mean, read it? That's impressive. You uh, yeah, read it. it. Well, it's very, it's a very actually slim book. Oh, and he <laughs> rated a whole career out of that. 
Uh, yeah, it was just kind of like I think it was maybe the only thing that he officially published in his lifetime. I'm not a Wittgenstein scholar, okay. but it was basically the foundation like you, of analytical philosophy. Maybe you don't bring him up then. It's very different from continental philosophy. No, but I just mean in the sense of somebody, a very famous person, oh, who gave away like a, the, like his a fortune. British empiricist. Uh, he was involved. He became buds with um, Bertrand Russell. Russell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, my point is, I think it's interesting to think about Bruce Wayne's savior complex in the context of a billionaire of his money because what we're dealing with with some not to make that we're not listen we're not chapo over here but to, <laughs> thank god but to make mike bloomberg out to be a kind of a figure who's like i'm gonna come in and save i'm gonna the republican essentially who's coming in he's like i'm gonna save yeah. the republic um the i can hire more cops line is very very interesting to well, me yeah of course because it speaks to kind of how one would see uh, let's say a liberal centrist like Bruce Wayne would see um, how his social ills could be solved by hiring more cops. Yeah, of course. Okay, it's just it's just a very compelling. It's an interesting moment in the film for me. You never hear him say that in any other context. So often he's right. He's sort of the absent-minded the, well, billionaire the, in Batman and Batman Returns, who doesn't really, who's kind of like vaguely defined in the money is never made or how to. Not that it doesn't seem to have social effects or social movements. Right. So, for example, like in Batman and Robin, where he says to Poison Ivy, no, we are no longer involved in that project. We're ideologically opposed to it. So, obviously, his money is involved in the real world, and you kind of see it operating. But, yes, you don't often hear him talk about how he could potentially use his money to enact actual change yes. in the world. Yes, that's true. And I think that one thing that we sort of forget about and spend a lot of time kind of ignoring is the fact that Bruce Wayne is a millionaire, which is like super obvious. And I get that. But I guess my point is more like we don't th- we don't think about his money. You see much. it come up in the Nolan film, especially that first one. The first one is the one where he, or is it the second one? I think it's probably the second one actually, sorry. Which one? Where he dev- he kind of like plugs into that network and he's able to kind of track down, is it the Joker? Yes. Yeah. And yes, Morgan and Freeman's character sort like, of surveillance. Yeah, state it's like thing. this is incredible. You can't like you know this is incredibly bad. Don't do this. Yeah, and he's like, I'm only gonna, I'm only gonna use it once. Yeah. Which I remember being like, Yeah, chill. That's chill. You can use it once. Um, Aaron Stewart on who's uh, at some bad ideas on Twitter. Who uh, he wrote Mandy, the Nicholas oh, Cage yeah, yeah. movie. Oh yeah, I love Mandy. It's great. Yeah, and um, he he writes Thor now. He and used to make music videos for my beloved The Decemberists. Oh, The Decemberists. So um, tweeted yesterday. Quick, favorite Decemberist album? The Crane Wife. Yeah, The Crane Wife. Easy question. Masterpiece. I also really like The King is Dead, which came out a couple years later. Yeah, that album's really good. I really like Hazards of Love. I think it's. I don't really know. I think I know Hazards of Love. It's their sort of rock opera that came after The Crane Wife. After they did The Crane Wife, they're like, let's fucking lean into it. You should listen to it. It's like, it's amazing. I celebrate Colin Molloy's entire catalog. <laughs> um, he tweeted yesterday, the biggest problem with Batman is that it's super goofy, but has led us to normalize all these asshole billionaires. Yeah, good point. And that is a social ill that I think Batman has maybe... Uh, been symptomatic of. I wouldn't say he caused it. No, but I think that like we view... Uh, he also tweeted in response to that, 
It is baffling how some people take super seriously the fantasy of a billionaire dressing up as an adorable rodent to do Krav Maga on graffiti artists in alleyways. Imagine how psycho that would be in real life. P.S. Spider-Man rules. <laughs> he's not wrong. Spider-Man more working class. He is more. Well, why working is that? Working class hero. Because why he's a journalist. He's, because he's a photographer. Yeah, he's like a 17-year-old kid who gets bitten by a radioactive spider and becomes a superhero. Yeah, that's true. He's not. His superpower is He lives with his aunt. He lives with his aunt. Who always tells him, hey, listen, Pete, with great responsibility. Come great power comes great responsibility. I've heard that, yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, we're hitting a point over and over again, but... This, the the savior complex of the billionaire is something that these films don't dwell on nearly enough. You, I guess a little bit in the Nolan films. Well, again, you don't get the explicit Batman as aware of his own uh, imp- kind of complicity because of his wealth. That Batman doesn't ever become really clear. You don't get that kind of iteration of the character. Where he's smart enough to understand that or... Well, no, where, they, where he's self-critical of that. Right. Well, he, he can't be. It wouldn't work. But why? I mean, that's what I'm saying. Why can't you have an iteration of the character that th- that in some sort of way is that where he like gives away his wealth? I'm not saying that 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 becomes then like the canonical figure, right? And I'm sure, and obviously there have been so many fucking iterations of characters, so many different Elseworlds, mm-hmm. and so many different takes. So yes, maybe there is a version of that out there. What I'm simply saying is, why can't there be one of those? iterations like yeah or like a ver- right exactly or, hey dc um if you want a socialist i would definitely fucking it for we're, you we're we're yeah. we're here uh this has been our pitch yeah let's do let it let's do it Who knows, um, maybe the pattinson one will be that but i doubt it i don't think so um what else about mask of the phantasm um i think one of the coolest things about this movie is the end confrontation between the Joker, did you get, get I that? Caught, I caught, get my, that? Yeah, I caught that. I don't I'm know if I but that? I just almost knocked did. a glass over and I caught it without missing a beat. The Joker v Batman. Batman, Joker, and Batman fighting in a tiny Gotham, Gotham World's Fair set, which it's is something cool. the film revolves around, is 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 very very good. This is just a really strong Batman film, I think. Um, yeah. Did you see any of the other long um, animated films? I have not. I feel like I kind of fell off with Batman for a while, and then I know that the there's a there's a film of the Killing Joke that's on Amazon that I'm curious. I saw about. that. Yeah. Did you watch it? No, I mean I saw that. And there I think was. There's, there's definitely a Batman Year One film, and those are all kind of like harder edged kind of takes on it. Um, but I think that one of the, there's a couple of things about this which is really great. The film noir aspect, the mystery of it. There's a mystery at the there center. There is. That, yeah. Where the storytelling, uh, it's very well edited in terms of how the story is told. But also the, la- also the last shot that you get of Andre Beaumont is incredible. So she's engaged to this kind of twerpy guy. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and then you see her on the boat, right, where she's they're it, leaving. And he comes out to see her, and she's by herself. And he says something like, do you want to be alone? That's not her fiance is it uh, isn't it her fiance? no it looks like him but it's some random guy i think oh is it i thought it I was thought, fiance. is it a fiance maybe yeah, i thought so tweet at us let us know yeah but basically she, he th- this guy says are, like are you alone or do you want to be alone and she says i'm already alone Ooh. and then it shows batman in yeah. the bat suit and it sort of creates a parallel yeah what we would call parallelism in the in edit, the biz in the biz <sighs> liam moved out to la and just totally changed I've changed. It's all about the biz. Why did I have eight whiskey sours? <laughs> <laughs> Four. 
Um, this is a great movie. I highly recommend Fucking it. Fucking watch it. If you let's seen let's it, do it. a real quick wrap things up and I get, let's ra- let's rank our Batman movies so far. So so far so we far. have watched Batman, Batman Returns, Batman Forever, Batman and Robin, and Mask of the Phantasm. Is this coming out before our Batman 1966 or after our Batman 1966? No, it's it's coming out bef- after. I, th- I think it's coming out after. So I mean, let's let's include yeah. that in the ranking. Okay, so I, I would go. It. You've never seen it? I mean, you've I never have. seen Batman 1966. I know. I mean, I have, but it's been such a fucking. Long okay, time. so Batman, Batman Returns. Five. <laughs> Batman, Batman Returns. Batman, Mask of the Phantasm. Batman and Robin. Batman 1966, oh Batman God. Forever. Keep them all in. Batman, Mask of the Phantasm. So I think you said Batman Forever twice. No, I see. Anyway, we got it. Those those <laughs> six. You're saucy when you've had a glass and a half of wine. Go. I just did it. Oh, that's Batman, what, that was your ranking? Yeah, Batman, Batman Returns. Oh, okay. Batman, Mask of the Phantasm, Batman and Robin, Batman 1966, Batman Forever. Okay. Yeah, I think... Well, I would say Batman Returns. Then Better it, than Batman. Yeah, then then Batman. Really? But yes. Batman's Sh- shut the so fuck up! I'm even going through my list. Please, it's very rude. <laughs> cool. Good Batman stuff. returns. Batman. <laughs> Mask of the Phantasm. Okay. Batman Forever. Okay. 1966. Batman and Robin. Batman and Robin is a much better movie than Batman Forever. You're fucking crazy if you don't no think way. so. No way. Yeah, way. Yeah, way. That's, that's like, who's more insufferable? Jim Carrey or Arnold? And Jim would, Carrey. And I would say, yeah, oh yeah, you know what, you're right. Yeah, you're right. What the fuck is wrong with you? You're right. Arnold's at least funny. Those puns, though, are terrible. Those fucking puns. Okay, well, really, you get more Jim Carrey than you, Who's afraid of the big bad bat? You get more Carrey than you get more. Oh, it's Car- Carrey's movie. Yeah, then um, more. I think he's top build in that movie. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, he's that's a that's a that's a terrible. It's still better though. It's, it's not, not better than Batman and Robin. Not, it's not. It's not. You it's get not, less Robin. Um, this is a great top three so far of what yeah. we've seen. Um, and it has a lot of fun to watch. It. I don't think we've also talked, it's like nine. It's like eighty something minutes. We've got to talk a little bit about how fucking insane the Joker is in this movie and how great Mark Hamill is. I really think this this is as good as Heath Ledger's take because he's full insane. Like he he's <laughs> living at the World's Fair. There's like there's a there's like a robot doll that he might be having sex with <laughs> who's is, like cuts yeah. up his baloney for him. Yeah, it's kind of amazing. Um like he's like he's, like he's uh, definitely fucking that doll. Yeah, and I don't know if you've ever seen clips of Mark Hamill what he's doing, doing. doing oh it's it, amazing but it's like his eyes bulge out of his yeah. head and his throat is tight and like he's he's legitimately funny he's yeah really really funny and it's just it's a it's a really amazing he calls he calls batman guano man at one point <laughs> and he calls him batsy and it's just it's really really it's a he's truly insane it's great, and yeah. amazing and highly highly recommended if only if only for mark hamill as the joker see this film see and it's also incredible this. that he appears like 45 minutes in yeah he's not he's not, he's like, not the main hook yeah, of the he's film. Not. and it's not actually ultimately a batman v joker movie oh no, not at all um it's a batman v his past Ooh. batman v past man v dawn past. of memory deep that that'll be the name of our socialist <laughs> batman movie <laughs> The young Batman v history. The young Bat Marks. Dawn of materialism. The dawn of materialism. Bat Marks. <laughs> Hello. It'd be amazing. 
It'd be good. I'm Liam Battingham. Ooh, I'm George Fragapawain. Ooh, Fragapawain. I'll go Very with it. Good. Yeah, there you go. This was Ouvra. Buster. <laughs> Peace. Peace. Thank you.